Let's just lift the one verse that we lifted. This is a continuation from two weeks ago. And basically this morning, it's casting away. The first one was cast your burden. This is casting away. This is part two. Psalm 55, just one verse, please, at the moment. And it's verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Let's read it one more time. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be removed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your blessed son. We thank you, Father, you haven't left us bereft, but you've placed your spirit in us, that you're with us here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you continue to heal, continue to save, continue to bless, and you continue to encourage your people. This morning, O oh God, we pray that you, Lord, would be glorified, that the Son of God would be exalted in our hearts and in the midst and Lord, that you would bless every home and every family represented here or watching or those who are away, as Andrew prayed earlier. Bless them. And Lord, for those who are sick and unwell, will you heal them? Lord, save precious souls, we ask you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm not going to do a real recap on part one, but we started here. It was cast thy burden upon the Lord. The word cast, shalach, means to hurl to throw, or to fling. You know, many of us go to pray, and it's, Lord, here I am, and this is what's wrong, and away we go, and we bring it back with us again, the burden. This idea is to take your burden and fling it away. Take your burden and hurl it away from yourself, but hurl it and fling it, cast it to the Lord. Because he can take it, you see, because his shoulders are a lot a lot bigger and stronger than yours and mine. So cast thy burden upon the Lord. We looked at it uh, in our part one. It was, first of all, there's a burden, whatever your burden is. Secondly, there was the duty. Your duty is to cast it. It's senseless asking God to take something away from you when you don't leave it with him. It's senseless asking God to take something away from you when you don't leave it with him and you take it back again. So it means to fling or to hurl it onto the Lord. You have a duty to bring it, to leave it, and let God's sovereignty deal with it. And thirdly is the promise. He shall sustain thee. In other words, your strength, your realizing, your recognition is, is that God alone is your strength. That you're weak and you can't cope anymore. You're down and you have no more to give. Your strength has left you mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever it may be. And it's cast all that you have, cast yourself upon the Lord and he sustain you. I've found it in many, many occasions and in many times that whenever I have felt I can't go on anymore, that this road is maybe too rocky for me, too hard or difficult. I felt just when I've learned to cast it upon the Lord, the first thing that's relieved is my soul. The next thing to be relieved is my mind. And the next thing to relieve, be relieved is my spirit where 
I sense that I am no longer weighed down with the burden that I've been carrying. What's your burden this morning? What is your heavy load this morning? What are you carrying? So the psalmist says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He will keep you. He will strengthen you. We finished our part one with looking at man's pride, how pride may stop a man from coming to God. A woman from coming to the Lord. Pride. Pride is seen by many uh, that if I was to come to the Lord, then I'm showing that I'm not strong enough and my strength is, is not on par with the next person. And look, and maybe that's the truth. But your pride holds you back from casting it on the Lord because then we have to realize that if we cast it on him, we then have something to do with it. In other words, we have a responsibility not to take it again. We looked at how Joseph's brethren threw him into the pit. No water, no food. And they weren't intending to go back for him see if they went to sell him on out. It's the same word. That they cast him in, threw him into a pit. And hence, with our burden, we are to do the same. And as Christians, many of us believe that if we were to show some kind of need, then we are showing our weakness. Brothers and sisters, you know, Moses, it says in Numbers 12 and 3, now the man Moses was very meek, M-E-A-K. Notice, very meek. The man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And it means he was humble, but he was gentle. Yet Moses is the man of the law, the man who brought rulings in Israel. And people would have been afraid of Moses, yet he was meek. You see, the problem is some people mistake your meekness for weakness. Do you know the difference? Do you know what meekness really is? Meekness is power under control. Is that within you, there may be a lion ready to roar, as it were, but people see you as some sort of lamb and they think they'll slay you every time they feel like it. But really within you, you've got teeth to show. Brothers and sisters, we are to be meek, not weak. But when we are weak, we are to give it to God. Cast it upon the Lord. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, pride is the heart of the matter. The man and the woman who thinks they don't need their Lord and who thinks they can do it by themselves, they're fooling themselves. And pride goeth before destruction. We could take this into what we see in our streets today. They call it pride period, pride month. Pride, why pride? Does it show you the ungodliness of the heart? And, and when it does, it comes and it will bring eventually destruction to the society that it is in. Hence also is the pride of man's heart, of woman's heart. 
brings destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. A haughty spirit is the fruit of the heart of praise. A haughty spirit. Listen to George Swinnock. Pride is the shirt of the soul. Put on first and put off last. Put on first and put off last. So pride is the heart of the matter and a haughty spirit is the fruit of the heart. An unteachable spirit. You give counsel and they do the the opposite. You give it again, they do the opposite. Not so long ago, there was someone came and they kept asking, I want to be careful counsel. And I sat with them, talked with them, prayed with them over and over and over again. They had a duty to do what the Lord was telling them to do and they didn't. So things got worse and they carried it. And I kept counseling them and prayed with them over and over and over again. And at one point then, they started to actually appear to be coming into a place of destruction in their lives. So we went to try and help again, and they wouldn't listen. They had an unteachable spirit. And pride kept them to where now, well, that's to say they're not doing well. We must come to Christ for salvation, isn't that right? And our sins were laid upon him. We must come to Christ for redemption and our sins were laid upon him. And we must cast our burden of sin upon him and even the burdens of life upon Christ. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19 says these words. Micah 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee? Notice how it starts. Who is a God like unto thee? I'll tell you why. Because other gods, so-called small g, gods of the heart and the mind, had to be carried by mule and oxen pulling carts. The people carried their gods. And when they worshipped their gods, their gods were outside of their camp. They went out to their gods. Who is a God like unto thee? In other words, our God is the God is not outside the camp. He is within the camp. He's in our midst. The tabernacle of Israel and the temple was in the middle, the midst of the people. And God is in our midst. Who is a God like unto thee? The God who is in the midst of us. And not that we carry him, but that he carries us. But that he carries us. Who is a God like unto thee? Notice that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Who's a God like that? The word pardoneth here, as the pardoneth iniquity. The word pardoneth is the word noshua. Do you know what it means? To bear up. 
to lift up and to take away. Who's a God like unto thee who bears our iniquity, who lifts it from us to take it upon himself and take it away from us? Is that not what Christ done? Is that not what our Savior done? He bore our sin in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live on the righteousness in him. Is that not what Christ has done for us? It means to bear up and to lift up, to take away and to forgive. Forgives our iniquities. Notice here in Genesis 4 and 13. Let me give you an example of this word, Neshaw, for pardoneth. Or to bear up. And Cain said unto the Lord, Genesis 4 and 13, and Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. It's the same word. After he killed Abel and the Lord came down, he says, you're giving me a punishment and that punishment is so heavy on me. I can't carry this. Send to God, I can't carry this. My punishment is greater than I can bear. But here's what I've written. Notice Cain's heart on this issue. Cain didn't feel bad about his sin. Cain didn't feel bad about killing Abel. Cain wasn't repentant and saying, I repent of my sin, O God. He says, you're too hard on me. You're too hard on me. And I can't deal with this. I can't carry it. Cain didn't feel bad about his sin, but only his punishment. And there are many who look at Christ as nothing more than a fire escape from hell. It was punishment he couldn't bear and it was a punishment that Cain couldn't carry and the weight of it will be balanced. Listen, listen, the weight of this punishment will be balanced by a holy, righteous justice meted out. Think of the weight of it. I can't deal with this weight of it, this burden of it. And you and I, as sinners, were the same. And a holy, righteous justice would be meted out upon us. An eternal justice carrying that eternal weight of guilt. But who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? that takes it and bears it, that lifts it up and carries it away, takes as far from us and forgives us. From as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Oh, church, what a Savior. What a Christ. What a Lord. Notice here, the casting of Israel, if you want, just briefly, 1 Kings 14. Just a verse. Listen to what the Lord says about how the nation had turned away from him. I think of how we spoke about pride a moment ago, and I think of how our nation has turned away from the Lord, how Ulster has turned away from the Lord, being evangelical once and so-called a a Christian, uh, a Christian country. Think of the, the, the depravity that's in England, 
and Scotland and Wales. I have friends over there and they tell me that, 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 they tell me that, that, that even in the churches, the, their words are the, the substance of the word is light. And there's not much in it. I can't say that for everywhere. These are the friends who would tell us this. And, and I think of how uh, the, the nation has went down hell so badly that was once known uh, as the land that sent out the missionaries and, uh, and they sent them out to the four corners of the world, the land that printed the Bibles and, and translated the scriptures into our mother tongue. And, and I can think about all of these things. And I look at First Kings chapter 14 and just one verse, verse 9. He says, but, but hast done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger. Notice, and hast cast me behind thy back. You have cast me behind your back. What a mess our country's in. What a mess. There was some joy this week, wasn't there? Boris Johnson got kicked out. I rejoiced at that. The man wouldn't know a truth if a one ran over him on a motorbike. If you go with me as well to Ezekiel 23, Ezekiel 23 and verse 35, just the one verse for to show a point here. Ezekiel 23, verse 35. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast forgotten me. How could we forget the Lord? There's many forget him by the time they get round the dinner table on the Lord's day. There's many forget him by the time they drive out the car park gate. The conversation changes to another thing or a person and Uh, and the burden is back with us, it changes to that. How can we forget him? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast forgotten me, notice, and cast me behind thy back, therefore bear thou thy lewdness and thy whoredoms. You want to remain in your filthiness, United Kingdom, Ireland. You want to remain in your filthiness with your laws and your rules and your regulations that are passed. You want to remain in your sin, man and woman. You want to remain in your lewdness and forget me and cast me behind your back. Brothers and sisters, this isn't a Sunday thing, you know. Being a, being a believer, a Christian, isn't a Sunday thing. It's a Monday thing, a Tuesday thing. It's a Wednesday thing, a Thursday thing, a Friday thing, and a Saturday thing. It's a, it's a waking moment and sleeping hour thing. It's the living Christ inside of us. And he says, you've forgotten me and you've also cast me behind your back. Bear your sin then. And that's why our nation is the condition it's in. God is allowing us to bear our sin. Listen, God has allowed uh, an elitist regime to release a virus upon us. He's allowed it. Because he could have stopped it because he's sovereign. There's 
It's because of our wickedness and our sinfulness. Because of the state of our hearts, of our, even the church. I read a thing yesterday. And there was a man in a church of the Praising God, we're taking ground, we're going forward. And that sounds good. But he's only opened this church the last couple of weeks. He wasn't taking ground over the last two years. Souls are lost and don't know where to turn to. When we look at this, the Lord pardons, he, he bears our iniquity. The, the, the word iniquity is of own, the, the, the perversity it means. No, think about this. God would bear our perversity. Think of the vileness of the sin of humanity. Think of the pornography and the vileness that's behind it. Think of the, the murders and the worst of the worst and the, the men and women with all sorts of problems and queries and depraved hearts and minds. Think about it. Think about this. And not only in one, but in all, all of us. And it says here that he bears that. He bore yours. Let's not pretend we don't have it. John says if any man say I've not sinned, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. The truth isn't in you. He took it all for us. He, he bore it. Who is a God like unto you who bears all of this? You bear this in us. You take it from us and you forgive us of it. You carry it away from us. And Jesus on the cross, he, he took Dave's and, and Billings and, and mine and, and David and Lawrence and I could go on through us all. He, he took all of it. And when we look at this, it means the perversity, the, the depths of, of our depravity, it means. The depths of our depravity. Some sins may have manifested more than others, but every one of us needed saved needed forgiven, needed the blood of Christ to cleanse us and to wash us, every single one of us. And, and Christ has taken and he has borne our perversity, our depravity, our guilt. And do you know what it means? He also bore the weight of our punishment. It means that the very justice that was to be meted out upon us was all laid on the beautiful Son of God. Beautiful Christ. Notice what it says here. He pardoneth iniquity. Notice, and passeth by the transgression. And the word passeth by, peshah, it means your rebellion against him and every revolt that you ever had that recognized and made you out to be the sinner that you are. Every, every breaking of the law of God, that's what it, it means. Everything that manifests from us, everything in our lives that manifested past into the present and his blood still supplies and covers for the future. I'm glad of the blood. And the idea of this is 
He says, passing by. Here's the thing. In, in Exodus chapter 12, the Lord says that in Egypt, he was passing through. Notice, passing through Egypt. In judgment, that was. Passing through. And he says, take the blood of the, the lamb on the doorposts and on the door lintels. And when I see the blood, he didn't say, when I see your minister, when I see your pastor visiting, he didn't say, when I see you're a priest or a prelate or a pope or a queen or a king or a president or a prime minister. He didn't say, when I see the color of your skin. Or he, he didn't even say, when I see your Israel. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will pass over you. Passing through, passing over. And now in Micah chapter 7 and in verse 18 he says, and whenever you're under the blood, I'll just pass by you. The judgment that was yours, it'll pass by you, son. The judgment that's yours, daughter, I'll pass by you in judgment. But Lord, I've failed you every day. I've let you down again. I've been unfaithful in everything, Lord, that you've set me out to do. And I'm just no good. Lord, listen, you're under the blood of my son. I've, I've bore that for you and taken it away from you. And you're forgiven of it. I'm going to pass by you just. He doesn't see it. He doesn't recognize it because Christ has borne it. Passing through Egypt in judgment, passing over Israel or whoever's house had the blood, and here he is passing by. And why he should have stopped, and why he was justified in stopping at each and every one of us, to mete out his punishment, he passes by. And here's why. The end of verse 18. Passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Why? Because he delighteth in mercy. Our God delights in mercy. Let's go back to the beginning of the verse. Who is a God like unto thee? Who's a God like you, Lord? You delight in mercy. The, the, the idea here is that God takes joy in not meeting out to you what you deserve. Grace is when we receive that which we do not deserve. Okay, When we receive that which we do not deserve, that's grace. Mercy is when we do not receive that that we do deserve. So in grace, we didn't receive what we deserved, judgment. Grace, we received Christ, forgiveness, the blood. In mercy, we didn't receive that which we did deserve, but deserved to be lost forever, separated from God. Even as Glenn said around the table this morning, Adam separated from God. Sin brought forth death. And so in Micah 7 and 19, he says, he will return again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. Notice, he will have compassion. The, the idea here is, he will have a tender affection. And he will love you deeply. 
My Savior loves me deeply. Your Savior loves you deeply. He loves you. Do you hear that? The Savior loves you. Think about it. Who is a God like unto thee? You you bear up all of the vileness of of me and every one of us in here. You bear it up. Where on Calvary? You love me deeply. He loves you. He's known you and loved you from before the foundation of the world. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the word to commend us gives the idea to exhibit, to manifest, but it gives the idea to stand beside. See, I think of me in my life and all the wrongs of my past, and yet the Lord stood beside me and says, I still love you. I love you. I don't know why he loved me. That's the truth. I, and that's not false humility. I really don't know why he loved me, but I know this, he did, or I wouldn't be here. He loved you too. Still does. It means that he loves and he has a compassion and a tender affection for you. He will subdue our iniquities and will cast all their sins into the depths of sea. Notice, he casts all our sins. There's the word. He takes our sins, bears them up, brings them away from us. And what does he do? He throws them into the depths of the sea. The idea is to give it that they can't be retrieved again. It's the idea of this. It means that it's like, cast your burden on the Lord. Leave your problems with him. And leave it where it can't be retrieved again because you carry it and that burden becomes greater with the rest of your burdens that you gather up by then. And here God takes our burden of sin and he takes our depravity, our perversity, and he he takes it all, our iniquities. He subdues us. He subdues it in us. In other words, he gives us his spirit to lead us and guide us and and to be able to to walk contrary to our flesh. He takes it and he throws it into the depths of the sea. The idea is, is that there's no retrieving it again. Say the words that my pastor used to say. He puts a big sign at the seaside. You know it, don't you? Ever? And it says, No fishing. No fishing. Have your sins been forgiven? Then leave them in the depths of the sea where God put them. Leave them in the depths of the sea where God left them. But I sinned yesterday. Does the blood still avail for you? Then leave it in the depths of the sea where God put it. My life hasn't been great. Get it under the blood and leave it in the depths of the sea where God has left it. And listen, don't bring it with you. No fishing. Believe it or not, time's flown already. Notice here, in Psalm 55 and verse 23, it says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And so we have a burden, we have a duty, and the promise is that he will sustain us. And it's very reminiscent of 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See the word 
care, casting all your care. It's a word, merimna, merimna. Gives the idea of distraction. Some people are so easily distracted, aren't they? You're distracted. Slightest thing puts you off course. You're doing well for God and you're fully into something and you're pressing on with it. And the, the slightest distraction, the slightest thing that's discouraged you, you're like this and the, the problem's taking you all this way back again. And God had you going this way. You get back into that again. Distraction, you're going this way now. Stay focused. Cast it on the Lord and stay focused. It means don't allow yourself to be distracted. Give it to God and keep on the course. It gives the idea to be drawn in different ways and start to be full of anxiety. Take it and cast it on the Lord. Casting all your anxiety, all of those ways. Do you ever get, you just don't know what way to turn? I call it spinning plates. And you're spinning that one and that one, and this one's about to fall, and you spin this one. And after a while, your head's spinning. Spinning plates. And all these ways are, have you like the, listen, stay, throw it unto the Lord, let him lead you, let him guide you. Casting all your care, your marina upon the Lord. For he careth for you. And the idea that God careth for you, it means, and it's a slightly different word, careth than your care. It's a word, melee. And it means to be of interest and have concern for one. To be of interest and have concern for one. Listen, your heavenly father, he's interested in you. Your heavenly father is interested in you. Brother, sister, your heavenly father is interested in all of you. He cares for you. And while our head's in a spinning here, there he goes, give it to me, I care for you. Give it to me. Lay it on me, I care for you. One scripture and I'll close. I'll bring one more week on this, but it's going to be different next week. I have to warn you. Because there are those who cast in the wrong direction. End up with the wrong company. Notice this in Mark chapter 4, from verses 13 to 20. We won't read it for time is flowing. The Lord Jesus tells the parable of the sower in the field. And he sows seed in his field. Some seed falls by the wayside. Some falls on stony ground. Some seed falls among thorns. And other seed falls on good ground. Wayside, stony ground, thorns, good ground. Okay? Okay. So first is 18 and 19. The seed among the thorns, just for time's sake. And the Lord Jesus says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Did you hear the word this morning? That God 
speak to your heart this morning. And maybe pride says, my unteachable spirit says, I don't like him. I don't want to listen to him. It's not me you're listening to. It's the word of God. Forget about the messenger. Notice here, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word of God, verse 19, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. See the cares? The cares of this world is the word marimna. Marimna, the same as Casting all your cares upon him. The distractions of this world. The things that draw you in many different ways. The world draws you in many different ways. The the loves and the lusts of it. Those are the things. And so you hear the word, and by the time you get out, and by the time you get home, and by the time you eat your, 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 your dinner this afternoon, your Sunday dinner, whatever, and all the cares start coming, start choking you. Telling somebody this morning that last week, you know, we, we weren't terribly sick. We were uncomfortable. We weren't terribly sick. But sometimes the old temperature going up. You see him, Glenn, you're getting a bit of sweat up. And you get a, the next thing you're like, oh, and, oh, and I remember having to put my T-shirt, oh, sweating, oh, choking me. Felt like I was choking, sweating. Gets you all flustered and all, you know, and then you cool down, you're freezing. You throw everything back on again. Brothers and sisters, the cares of this life, cares of the world, the cares that are out there, the cares in your workplace, the cares in your home, the cares that come to you, they start to, again, it's the word, it distracts you from what the word of God has told you. It distracts your mind and your heart from what the word of God has said to you. Distracts you. I was talking to Glenn on the phone last night and we were speaking about one or two things that is easy to discourage. And how you can be so discouraged, and, but it's in the moments of discouragement, you have, to, you have to keep focus, casting your burden on the Lord, casting all your distractions toward him, because he has an interest in you. And if he speaks to you in his word, then it's holding on to that word. Laying hold of that word. And no matter what happens, no matter what your 2020 vision sees, no matter what you're looking at, things may look at the worst of their conditions, the worst of their states. Things may be absolutely impossible with you, impossible with man. But you lay hold in the word and you stay faithful to what God has called you to and what God has said to you. And you steer, you steer the course Throwing on your cares and your burns. Well, Lord, you know, this has drawn me that way and that thought's drawn me another and, and this person and that person and this thing and another thing and suddenly you've lost sight of God and you think you're walking with him and he's away over here somewhere and you have to try and scramble and crawl your way back in prayer and supplication and, and you, it's, it's an emotion and feeling and it's not emotion. It's not about your feelings. It's faith. It's faith. No matter what it is, it's laying hold of it and saying, Lord, I'm trusting you no matter what. 
say this. Let's be finished. Be careful, of course. I don't want to be a discouragement. I want to try and, and help you this morning. I want to try and encourage you. But let me say it like this. Should it come this day? God forbid, but should it come this day or tomorrow or next week that, that you're lying on a deathbed? And you know you're going to be launched out into eternity. There's going to be cares that are going to come to your heart and mind. Doubts and fears and anxieties and worries. Should it be you? Have you got it in your heart that, Lord, I, I belong to you? yours have you got the witness of the spirit deep down in your soul that I belong to Christ it's like the hymn writer wrote and say should the death dew lie cold on my brow if ever I have loved thee my Jesus do you love him in this life do you love him in this life know him in this walk enough that when it comes to that time that I can't say if ever I've loved thee my Jesus tis now and I'm going to be honest there are some people I wonder. I wonder. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about them. They profess Christ. But they've more fruit for the actions and the living of society and the world and what they have for Christ himself. Cast thy burden this morning upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. Kenneth Woost, in his Greek word study, said, Anxiety is a self-contradiction to true humility. Unbelief, in a sense, an exaltation of self. Notice, is an exaltation of self against God. In that one is depending on self and failing to trust God. When we're anxious, and we all get it, by the way, this is not mentioning one person or another, we are all the same, and an anxiousness may come, it's laying hold of who he is and saying, Father, I'm laying my all, I'm casting all my anxiousness and my cares and my world's loves and, and lusts upon you, Lord. I'm I'm casting it on you because it's too heavy for me to bear and your son has already paid my debt and I am following you to the uttermost end. Amen. 